Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Final two seconds. He'll put the three up. No good, and that'll do it. Kings win 135-127 the final at Golden 1 Center. They even the season series at two games apiece. That's John Bloom on the final call Friday night in Sacramento. It was a tale of two halves for the Phoenix Suns. A great first half, a terrible second half. Yeah. Uh, and they lose. And I'll be honest, after Friday, Bick, mm-hmm. I had that feeling that overwhelming wave of doom came over me. And there were reasons, not just because they lost. Sacramento's a good team. But there were ingredients in that game where I thought this team is cooked. Go ahead. Tell me. And... It came in the third quarter because everybody was watching how the game was going to be officiated. In the first quarter, the Suns picked up two fouls. They almost they almost went a full quarter without a, a defensive foul. Devin mm-hmm. Booker cr- committed a defensive foul in the late stages of the first. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, the game started uh-huh. to even out a little bit. And then the Suns, when it started to get murky on the officiating front, they lost their minds. And Devin Booker got a... Frustration foul in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the Suns were leading 74-65. He drove to the basket. He thought he got fouled. The replay kind of showed, eh, not much of a call. Devin Booker then chased the ball back on the on the defensive end and committed a frustration foul. Mm-hmm. Said something to the official and got a technical. Yep. And you're like, uh-oh. We've seen this before. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul got a technical 54 seconds later. The whole half fell apart. They gave up... By the way, 111 points in the final three quarters of that game. 79 points in the second half Mm -hmm. alone. They committed 19 points. But I really walked away from it going, okay, again, they lost to the Kings. But if this is how your team leaders and your best players are going to react to choppy waters, they might be in trouble. Vinny, uh, you you read my mind and you read my thoughts. That's exactly where I was at Friday. And even though I I like what I saw Saturday, I still am a little worried about Devin Booker and where his head is at. Because there were a couple of plays Saturday that were flailing out the right leg to get a foul, and he got an offensive foul on that. Throwing himself to the floor, I really wish he would get this element out of his game. And I understand there's an element to it that's good to have. It's good to have have um, loopholes and tricks and all that kind of stuff. But uh, again, for everything that's been said, and for as much as Monty Williams has harped on this, the fact that he cannot reach his players on this issue is is troubling to me. Mm Mm-hmm. That's how that's how I feel about it, and and I worry that this softness, this blind spot with this basketball team is going to cost them. Because it speaks, because it, the the pressure involved is only going to get worse and worse, not worse, it's going to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And I just don't like the, I just don't like where this team is at it, um, emotionally sometimes. They get way too lost in the weeds with these officials. They, I, I can't disagree with you now. This I, is, they're in a patch, or at least they were in a patch, and it lasted again until Friday. Where I've never seen this team that affected by it, and, and yes, and I'm I'm just I'm perplexed at this fan base, and and they can hate on me all they want with my thoughts on this particular issue. I don't know why, as a fan base, you would rather be told, yeah, the refs are screwing your basketball team. Why you would rather have that confirmation than implore your own team to stop fixating on this. I don't get it. I really don't understand where the disconnect is here. Why Why are you not seeing that this is a problem for the basketball team? Is what I would ask people. 
who think that complaining about a that who think that complaining nonstop about officiating is appropriate. Why do you not see what this is doing to the basketball team? Yeah, but then you know that wave of doom goes away in a big way on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a very nice bounce back performance. Oh and yeah. yeah, Monty Williams talked about it after the game on Saturday. Hey, we didn't get affected by the officiating. It was officiated differently. There were a couple of plays, as you mentioned, where and there's always going to be that in an NBA game where there's some disagreement, but they they rose above it and. The other thing that really bugged me Friday night was there was just the defensive cohesion was just absent. Sacramento scores mm-hmm. 135 points. The Suns only forced four turnovers in 48 minutes of basketball. So you're thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And Joel Embiid comes to town, and MVP Kennedy is going to feast. And I thought the Suns defensively looked so much more buttoned up, so much more connected uh, on Saturday, and that's exactly what they needed. Well, if you and if you listen to Monty after the game on Saturday, gush about just the teams, how the team proved they cared on Saturday, that how this team that has been through a lot, how this team that is sort of refitting on the fly, that was a prideful response on Saturday, and that's that's what Monty talked about, and that's kind of what I felt watching the game from a distance, that they came to that game with the appropriate amount of desperation. And and they and they took that game over in the fourth quarter and they did not let it go. Yeah, uh, Monty talked about it. Uh, defense happening on, on Saturday and what it led to. And our best offense is a defensive stop. I've said that my whole coaching career. Um, the best offense is to get a stop and get out and run. And with the shooters we have and the guys who can touch the paint, um, it allows us to be more efficient. And he also talked about after Friday night in Sacramento how this team was itching to get going on Saturday. I understand the mental makeup of our group to a degree. I mean, not in totality, but I understand how much they want to win. After last night, I, I just I felt it. They, they felt bad. We know we kind of let it go in the third quarter. And uh, you get on the bus, you get on the plane, you could feel the remorse. And so you don't know what it's going to end up being, but you understand that your guys care. And when you care like that, you come into the next game, you're focused and you're ready to go. They couldn't wait to get on the court tonight. And um, that's the kind of group you love to coach. Yeah, I don't know if you heard the story Bismack Biombo shared after the game. Mm-hmm. He, uh, you know, players, all athletes are, especially on game day, creatures of habit, so they all have their habits. But Bismack Biombo said he disturbed his own game day habits, cut his nap short because he was so upset about the game on Friday. He got to the gym at three o'clock and started working out for a seven o'clock game and had. Probably by far his best game of the year, maybe his best game as a Phoenix Sun. Oh, yeah. So that did yeah, bug no them, and I agree with Monty. That is the sign of a team that still has a, a fire burning in it, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And now that fire gets bolstered by the return of, of DeAndre Ayton tonight, probably. Uh, you know, the, the odds are pretty good when you're listed as probable to play that you're going to play. And then Kevin Durant probably on Wednesday night against mm-hmm. Minnesota. Very, very important stretch for the Phoenix Suns. Well, without a doubt, their their schedule still is fairly difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not in the imminent danger after Saturday night. I really do think that Saturday night, Saturday night's victory was just very, very big in terms of just keeping the Suns lodged where they are. Yeah, they they did not do great without Kevin Durant. 
But they also did not fall anywhere it, in the ring. Fall anywhere. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, and uh, you know, you you suggested and asked the question: What does this mean moving forward? Now that you've gotten through this rough patch, what can you take from the the tough experience? And Monty Williams was asked about that too. What did he learn about the rotation in the absence of those two players? Do I have it down? No, but I think we have a better idea of what we have. You know, sometimes when you go through adversity, it forces you to learn things you wouldn't have learned had you not gone through it. You know, as I said in pregame, I probably wouldn't have played TJ this much had Kevin... Tonight, your body clock is three time zones ahead. We felt like we had a bit of a rhythm and a lineup that was... I have no idea where that's coming from. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, he wouldn't have played TJ Warren that much. It's it, you know the rotation is it's going to be dicey the rest of the way. The bench, the good bench, showed up on on Saturday night. But if you go back to Friday night, Cameron Payne in 15 minutes scored one point. Didn't really mm-hmm. contribute to 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 much success. Uh, there's going to be guys that have those nights. Terrence Ross is developing into something of a consistent threat off the bench. Mm-hmm. But if you can rely a bit on T.J. Warren and he's going to play defense the way he played defense well, the other night, that's a good sign that, moving forward. So to me, the thing is, if, if you really want Saturday night to mean something, then this team has got to continue to play um, high quality, or at least attempt to play better uh a better brand of defense, especially on the perimeter. This, this to me, really seems to be one of their vulnerabilities. And, and, and you know, Kevin Durant plus Devin Booker plus an offense that scores 130 points a game, that's going to make up for a lot of stuff. But I, I, the, the defending the perimeter is one of these issues that, that I hope the Suns can find a rotation that addresses that. Because that, to me, would be uh, against a quality opponent. That, to me, is going to be a trouble spot. Because if you're giving up threes and you're making twos, uh-huh. that math isn't going to work for you. You're going to get bit by that math. No, that's math even I can understand. Right, exactly. Yeah. Coming up next, it's been a, a puzzling offseason so far for the Arizona Cardinals in free agency. And some people are noticing, including uh, some way too early power rankings. We'll get into that and more next on the Cardinals. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on this Monday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The Cardinals take a knee. The game is over. The season is over. A year that began with disappointment in terms of injuries and camp and some distractions off the field. Those themes continue throughout the year, distractions and injuries, and it ends... Here in Santa Clara, finally, 38-13, the final. The Cardinals finish 4-13. That was Dave Pash on the final call back on January 8th. Dave will uh, join us actually later on in the show at 8.30 today to talk about a whole bunch of different stuff, including the Arizona Cardinals. But since that time, Vic, January 8th to now, you want to talk about massive changes. Uh, the changes started the next day with the news on Cliff Kingsbury being let go, Steve Keim not coming back to the organization, the search for the GM started immediately, Monty Osenfort's the guy, they have a new coaching staff. Um, so th- there's a feeling of newness, certainly, but um, you know, there's also that feeling of it's going to be a rough year in 2023, and this could be a couple year at least rebuild for Monty Austinfort and Jonathan Gannon and crew. And you know, a lot of it, you know, we've talked somewhat about the strategy uh, in free agency. Mm-hmm. Did we expect the Cardinals to go after you know those big first day free agents and make splashes? No. 
there's still a lot of holes on this team. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And ESPN put together, uh, you know, it, it, and we take power rankings for what they are. Uh, I think it's a nice tool. I think it's a conversation piece. But right now, after this wave of free agency, ESPN's got the Cardinals ranked 32 out of 32 in the NFL. Yeah. And I think and, that's a pretty clear indication of what we can expect. And I think it's pretty fair. I mean, yeah. it's, it, but, but again, I, somebody made this point to us, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought this is pretty accurate. Because if you hear during free agency in the NFL, if you hear of a player that you have heard of, so a player changes teams, signs for big money, and you say to yourself, I know that guy. That guy's pretty good. Chances are the team that signs him are, is going to regret that. Mm-hmm. Not because they're getting a good player, but because they are overpaying. Free, the free agent market for established football players is a time for guys to get theirs, to get paid. So generally, even though you're getting a good football player, you're not necessarily getting great value. And if you're a team that really needs to build depth, not participating in acquiring big-name players is not only a curiosity, it's probably a good strategy because you do need to build depth. Now, we're hoping that the new general manager has got a really good eye for talent and can do this because that's the one thing about the NFL. You've got to have difference makers, and the Cardinals do not have enough of them to be a good team right now. We know that. But 80% of the league is rather homogenous, meaning if you, there's a lot of guys out there that can play football anonymously. And yes. if you find the right guys, you're going to be okay. But you you got to supplement them with enough great skill players, including a franchise quarterback. So what I'm saying is, in the current state of the Cardinals, the free agent inactivity and all the awful grades that come with it, it's not the same as it would have been last year. Going into last year, the team, we thought, was still in win mode. So their inactivity last year was more like, what are you doing? This year, to me, perfectly understandable. Nothing to get all worked yeah, up about, I think in my a, opinion. I think that's a fair point. It, it was, yeah, the inactivity and strategy last year was more puzzling. Mm-hmm. And you even heard it in the in the play-by-play cut from, from Dave Pash. That is a team that went through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we've hit the tip of the iceberg on what we know about, what the public knows about what the Arizona Cardinals went through. Um those days are over, but yeah, that was, the, the the feeling of newness probably mm-hmm. should be one of the themes of, yeah. of 2023. And I, I'm still, you know, it's a ways off. I get it. And there's a lot of months between now and opening day, but I, I'm really curious to see what this team looks like. What, what Jonathan Gannon, a guy with a lot of energy as a head coach, mm-hmm. um, you know, what this defense is going to look like, what a new offense looks like, because I think we all reached our saturation point on frustration last year uh, on what the Cliff Kingsbury offense looked like with mm-hmm. or without Ky- Kyler Murray at the mm-hmm. controls. So um, it's 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 block one. Uh, and speaking of Kyler Murray, we mentioned earlier in the show that Steve Weish, uh, you know, the NFL meetings are going on. Steve Weish from NFL Network caught up with Jonathan Gannon, and uh, I know there was some quotes attributed to him, but he updated a little bit the Kyler Murray situation, uh, saying, quote, he was in Dallas with a surgeon last week, and he's doing well. They like where he's at. He's going to start doing some things in the strength room. He's coming along well. There's nothing resembling a timetable for his return, though. No, uh, uh, but again, it's once again relying on the medical opinion of other people. 
This, these are not your people who are saying, oh, our people say he's coming along great. It's, from what we hear, he's coming along great. But mm-hmm. again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a level of trust that they know what they're doing in terms of uh, the surgeon that Kyler Murray opted for is fairly renowned. So I, I don't think there's there's that. And so I, I, I do I do think and I hope he understands the importance of being present. I mean, that's still that's still a question mm-hmm. that we can ask. Yeah, he was. About the time of the Jonathan Gannon hire, Kyler Murray was present. He was mm-hmm. there. You know, he, I, I think he had his dog with him at the, at the introductory press conference in the front row. Um, you know, he, he's still a, he's a Texas guy. Mm-hmm. I'm real curious to see if and when Kyler Murray becomes an Arizona guy. Oh, yeah, that's because right. there's a lot of people, and and to a degree, I I think that matters. Perceptually, it matters. Yes. It being around yes. matters if you're a franchise quarterback, especially, again, it, it's giving of himself and his personality. It's not something that comes easy to him. It's just not. You know, some some people love that stuff. He clearly does not. It's an element that he has got to get better at, and he's not going to get better at it being by himself in Texas. It might be an unfair comparison, but J.J. Watt, when he came here, Mm -hmm. instantly became an Arizona guy. Yeah. Despite his huge history in Houston and Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. he instantly became an Arizona guy, embraced everything here, spent the off-seasons here, everything. And just, I guess, different ways of, of doing it. But that was noticeable. Uh, I mean, that, that's probably as wide as you can get on the spectrum between the way those two guys have handled it. How many Glendale, Arizona, Taylor Swift concerts has Kyler Murray gone to? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Was J.J. Watt there? Oh, he was at the oh, yeah. opening opening night and did like a multi-tweet review yeah, of the I thought concert. we talked about it on the show. Did we yeah. not? I, I, oh, he did oh. like a three-minute Instagram review. J.J. Watt did. I somehow missed this on, oh, on wow. social media. He's a Swifty. Wow. I guess I'm one of the few that's not, I guess. I wasn't there. No, no, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't quite get the phenomenon. But again, I'm not, I'm not asking, acting like I should. No. Yeah, <laughs> and she's probably fine without you. Yeah, we, it'd, be weird, it'd be weirder. If, absolutely, absolutely, we're fine yeah. without each other. Absolutely, you do you, I'll yeah, do exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're all happy that way. That's right. Um, speaking of uh, music and concerts, Grammy award-winning artist Muse. Heading to Desert Diamond Arena this coming Sunday. We're giving you your shot to win tickets. Just head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win. Coming up next, we'll get into the big stories of the day. Rush Hour Reboot Style with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome on into Rush, the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Uh, happy Monday, everyone. You ready to get into the top stories of the day? Yes. 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 All right. I'm Sarah Cazell taking you through those stories with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Murata. <laughs> <laughs> Time to work again. That's and uh, from the latest Ted Lasso, Coach Beard. Ooh. Yeah. Wait, how many episodes are out? Just two? Two. two. Yeah. Okay. And Jarrett Carlin. Cockpit fist fight. 
Yes. Where did that come from? I don't from? know. It has, it has, he said it August of last year. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, the there context. was actually a flight where the two guys flying the plane got into a fight in the cockpit. And I thought, yeah. what could be more terrifying than a cockpit fist fight? Cockpit fist fight. Good are in charge of our lives? And they don't even have it under control? My point. Oh, my god! One night only. The powerful sounds of cockpit <laughs> fist fight. <laughs> yeah, they sound like they're opening up for Muse next week. Are you going to be at that show, by the way, Vince? I or will it? not. Sun's no, going that night. They are. All right. Let's get into the top stories of the day, starting with the Phoenix Suns. Of course, it is that time of year. They lost to the Kings on Friday night in Sacramento after just getting pummeled in the third quarter. Uh, Vince, you called it the low point of the season for the Suns. Mm-hmm. But then they came back. They beat the 76ers uh, by 20 on Saturday back in Phoenix. After that win for the Suns on Saturday, Monty Williams said the team was really on fire to beat the Sixers, coming out hot after that rough loss Friday night. I understand the mental makeup of our group to a degree. I mean, not in totality, but I understand how much they want to win. After last night, I, I just I felt it. They, they felt bad. We know we kind of let it go in the third quarter, and uh, you get on the bus, you get on the plane, you could feel the remorse. And so you don't know what it's going to end up being, but you understand that your guys care. And when you care like that, you come into the next game, you're focused and you're ready to go. They couldn't wait to get on the court tonight. And um, that's the kind of group you love to coach. Also on Saturday night, Monty Williams gave props to the bench for how they played uh, in their win over the Sixers. But our bench production, I think that's 53 to they had 17. You know, that's that's huge on a back-to-back um, emotional loss last night. And our guys just, we had to dig deep. You know, you could see both teams were tired. Yeah, you could see that. 16 points from T.J. Warren, 15 for Terrence Ross, uh, 14 for Campaign, all off the bench as he gave props to the bench. Dan, Vince, what do you guys think about the turnaround you saw from the Suns, not only how they played, but their mentality from Friday to Saturday? Yeah, Bismack Biombo was such a stud Saturday night, especially with such a tough defensive assignment. And I just think the whole team was of the mindset that we better get us a victory pronto. Mm-hmm. And and I think their desperation showed. Yeah. I think I think their desperation plus the 76ers uh, apathy maybe a little. I, I think I, that that to me stood out to me. So I, I give the team credit for recognizing. Okay, we got to stop this. Whatever it takes, we got to stop this. And perfectly said. Yeah, perfectly said. I thought I thought it showed a maturity to be maybe at your low point uh, to be again affected emotionally by officiating to come back 24 hours later and, and put that effort uh, forth in a desperation game. I mean, it's not guaranteed just because you say you're raring to go and you want to turn it around that it's going to happen. There's some situations in the NBA, and we're going to get into them in a little bit here, where it's just continuing to go south faster for for some teams in the Uh NBA. And the Suns didn't allow that to happen. So it was a very good response to a very bad performance on Friday. Mm -hmm. Okay, so talking about, Vince, you've called it the low point of that season, that loss on Friday. Why was it the low point of the season? Because I thought Devin Booker and Chris Paul being affected by the officiating at a crucial stretch of the third quarter was not the example you want to set. Exactly. Uh, you know, Monty Williams had 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 taken quote unquote control of the situation by speaking out, getting the fine. I thought maybe that a lot of the the histrionics 
Brooks would be gone after that, and it wasn't. And for for it to come from those two guys in a one minute span, and I, you know, I, I talked to people that were at that game on Saturday, and they said it was being over officiated, and and I've never heard Eddie Johnson go off on officiating like he did in that game on Friday night, specifically about Ed Malloy. Mm-hmm. But it's still disappointing. You, you got to keep a cooler head there, and it turned the whole game around. I mean, the Kings got momentum from that stretch, and it, it was disappointing to see. Mm-hmm. Vic, anything you want to add to that? No, that's right. yeah, that's those. That's kind of like where I'm at with this whole thing. Okay, so now the Suns have the Utah Jazz tonight in Salt Lake City, starting at six o'clock on our air on the Arizona Sports app and on ninety eight seven. DeAndre Ayton probable to play. Still no Kevin Durant, but according to Shams Charania over the weekend Wednesday against the uh, Timberwolves is the targeted return for Kevin Durant. So we've already established on this show we're not going to make a huge deal about it until we actually see him on the court in a Suns uniform. Uh, but Wednesday is is what we are expecting from Shams Charania. So looking at tonight's game with DA expected to be back, what do you think is the key in tonight's game against the Jazz for the Suns to start stringing some wins together? Well, the Jazz can be a problematic team. Laurie Markkinen is having himself quite a season, but to me, I, I think this is a winnable game and, uh, and you've got to get this one as well. That's what I think. Yeah, by hook or proverbial crook. Continue what you started on mm-hmm. uh, uh, on Saturday. They're struggling. The Jazz are struggling right now. They've lost three in a row. Their defense has not been great. They can be a high-scoring team. I, I guess you cross your fingers that Markinen doesn't play because mm-hmm. he's, he's torched them early in the season. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, just a matter of trying to cut and paste what you were able to do on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now he is questionable to play. Lowry Markin list, listed as questionable. Alright, let's go from the NBA to the college ranks. The NCAA men's tournament final four is set. It will be San Diego State, Miami, Florida Atlantic. Sure. Uh, all, yeah, they are all making their final four debuts and then UConn is making its sixth trip to the final four. Here is Seth Greenberg, the ESPN college basketball analyst this morning on the topic of just the one blue blood UConn making the final four. Here's the interesting thing, Greeny. There are no McDonald's All-Americans. I'll give you another interesting thing. There are zero true freshmen. We spend all our time talking about the freshmen. It's the one and done. And you know what? This final four is about teams. It's about transfer portal, filling roster spots, and developing teams. So, look, it's unique. I think for one year, you'll see the blue bloods back, but Connecticut's a blue blood. Let's not fool ourselves. Okay, we will not fool ourselves. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw any of this in your Twitter timelines over the weekend. The discourse was that having three, not no names, but not your usual suspects uh, making the Final Four would be bad for college basketball, bad for the ratings, bad for fan interest um, without, you know, your usual, your your Kansases, your Dukes, etc. Do you guys agree with that, that this is bad for the sport? Or does it make it more interesting? Oh, um... I, I kind of agree with Seth Greenberg. I think this is a one-year blip. Maybe. I mean, that's the way I feel right now. The NIL a transfer portal could be great equalizers for college basketball mm-hmm. moving forward. But, I mean, we're only a year removed from North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, and Villanova in the Final Four. Right. And I think that was an extreme example on the other side. I, 
I, you know, if it's if, if it, this continues, I could see people mm-hmm. maybe tuning out. But I think it's I don't think it's uh, this is yeah damaging. exactly because I don't know if this is so much parody as it is like Florida Atlantic. It, it's they're paying a few players crazy money, so they've got this crazy billionaire donor who said, "Let me take care of that for you. Let me pick up that bill for you." I don't know where this whole thing is going. I know this is a very very lackluster Final Four in terms of these schools on the marquee. I'm interested because of the San Diego State element mm. for a team, for a school that might be joining the Pac-12 very soon. This is True. this is a good thing for them. This is a good hello. <laughs> See, we're ready for this promotion. Yeah. I don't know where it's going. It's I just know that as this, this tournament progressed, I'm like, this just doesn't feel the same. And I'm not sure it's a bad thing, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it also is kind of a, a, you know, localizing it and turning it back to, you know, ASU, the team in our backyard. Mm-hmm. When this tournament started, I was like, ASU would have no chance to, to advance really past Gonzaga. This is kind of a sign. You got a chance. Yeah. Everybody's got a chance in college basketball, which is sometimes you need that reminder. Not Absolutely. saying it's going to happen yeah. with ASU, okay. but yeah, you told no. me Florida Atlantic was going to make the Final Four. I would have told you you were nuts. You know, they only lost three times this year. Tournament appearance, yeah. I will say Florida Atlantic has 35 wins right yeah. now. Uh-huh. It's not like they were, you know, I snuck into the tournament. No, they're not. They're they're, they're one of their players got an eight hundred thousand dollar NIL deal. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. This, wow. They're not Cinderella. Right, right. Uh, are you guys with the ASU tie? Are you rooting for UConn to win at all? Yeah, I mean, I think they've been the best and most consistent oh. team throughout the tournament. They're just, they're killing teams right now. So mm-hmm. I think that would be a just reward for the first four games they've played in this tournament. Yeah, I, again, I th- I think that um, it, it, as the only blue blood, I'm not sure I'm cheering for them to win, but what they've done is just, I mean, what they did to Gonzaga was just almost <laughs> criminal. <laughs> it, was, it was wild. Yeah. There you go. We're all rebooted. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 730 when we hit the big stories of the day. Another big story going on in the Western Conference. Man, things get weirder and weirder by the day. And I'm not just talking about the Phoenix Suns. We'll take a look at some of the other storylines next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Losing in, in basketball is very frustrating, uh, especially when we have as talented a group as we do. And uh, we have the talent, but we just got to be out, be able to perform and be able to execute um, the details that we go over in the game plan. Um, and this is the second game that we played against Charlotte. Um, and these are dangerous games, you know, in the season because we're obviously playing for something. They're not playing for anything. And you can tell after they celebrate after the game, you know, the home crowd, you know, a little surprised too. You know, they're celebrating because they haven't had, um, you know, a consistent flow throughout the season. But when they beat us, it's a big deal. That's Kyrie Irving of the Dallas Mavericks. They not only lost once to Charlotte, they lost twice to Charlotte. Once in Dallas and then yesterday in North Carolina. The Dallas Mavericks are circling the drain right now. <laughs> good. Uh, it is hey, good. You know, independently of what's happening with the Phoenix Suns, yeah. can we all just sit back and listen and just nod in agreement together about how satisfying this is to watch them flounder? I, I had this thought yesterday. Be- 
because as much as I cannot stand when the Suns get lost in the officiating weeds, I thought to myself, what if the Suns had drafted Luka Doncic and I had to watch that whining every night of my life? I would not like that. I can't. His, he, he might be the all-time worst. Might be. Might be. Well, listen, there's a long list of guys who have done a uh, Tim Duncan and the, yeah. what? Me? This. I follow some? I yeah. don't follow the people. Big eyes. I don't follow the, what? Yeah, those big eyes and the incredible, yeah. Yeah. To the point where Joey Crawford got so sick of his acting game of T while he was on the bench. All right, so there have been some guys that, that just make you want to scream. But uh, Luca, to me. He might be the all-time worst. The all-time worst at yap, 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 yap. Shut up. Play basketball. And then for him to get a technical yesterday, knowing how many he has, knowing what the penalty is, and knowing what is going on with his team is inexcusable. And I wonder what the reaction in Dallas is right now because, you know, that's Luca Land. They love him. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty. And you know, we just got on Devin Booker and Chris Paul for getting ill-timed technicals in oh. one single game, and you know that's damaging. He's going to miss a full game tonight against Indiana, they, and they're, they're and they need wins. and they're sinking, yes. and he's not going to be there on the court for his team because why? Because of selfish, self-indulgent behavior, and it's laughable from guy, from a guy like him who does get plenty of calls. So it's just I, this is the thing. It's basketball players. It shows you how maniacally competitive you, really these high end athletes are. I, I think we would really be shocked at how different high end athletes are from the rest of us yeah. when it comes to this stuff. Because yeah. you don't, you don't get to that level without you know having something wrong, something seriously wrong with you. <laughs> There's something wrong with us. Something, something seriously very, very, very wrong, wrong with us. <laughs> Did you did you hear Kyrie's comments after oh, the first game? Yes. The this game in so Dallas great. where the fans were booing, oh. and he was asked about the boos, and <laughs> I, do I you have I, the sound? I was looking for it. I had oh. it before the game, and I didn't. Oh. I didn't mark it, and I can't find it now. Yeah, Jared, if you could find that. But basically, he was he was like, if the fans want to come down here and change trade places. You know, it would take you a long time to be good enough to play in the NBA. I was like, "That's your response to that? Yeah, that's your response, honestly." Yeah. And then he, uh, g- you're not as good. Circle. Yeah, you're, you're not, not as, as good, good as, as me. Us. So shut up. Yeah. Oh, and then oh, we're, but we're not concentrating on the booze. We need, we, you know, we're concentrating on the performance. He's a he's a unique flower, that guy. Oh, listen, and and I keep hearing rumblings that the Phoenix Suns are interested in Kyrie Irving. Matt Ishbia, can I appeal to you? Please, for the love of all things Sparty, no! I don't understand. Like, it, 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 there's an enigmatic quality to him, obviously, because the talent is off the charts. Oh. But what this guy does to a team... How many examples do you, you need, need before you're no longer tantalized yeah, by the talent? Right. What the Dallas Mavericks did to that roster. Ugh. If I was a Mavs butchery. fan, I would be butchery. beside myself butchery. with what they did to that roster. Uh, just a- absolute butchery. I-, I tell you what, as a player, as a guy, I did not know what a great player Jalen Brunson was becoming. We saw that playoff series when he just steamrolled Chris Paul. And I- for the Mavs to let him go... And then circle back and, and acquire Kyrie. That is that's an all timer. That's an all timer. I mean, go back in time. Mark Cuban wouldn't pay Steve Nash. That's right. He thought Steve Nash was done. 
He must have. I think Mark Cuban's got a personal vendetta against, against point shorter guards who, point guards. Point guards who wore number thirteen in Dallas and attack the rim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they go elsewhere and they become great players. That's right. And Brunson was great in Dallas last year. Oh, he that. really he was. A was. Pleasant surprise. He really was. He was everything they needed. And and they no, we don't need him. But oh, we need somebody. Let's go get Kyrie. Look, how long did it take for Kyrie to have to sour this thing? Yeah, but, and. Ugh. Not only that and his influence, but on the flip side, not yeah. keeping Luca happy. They've traded like uh, Jalen Brunson. He was a very close friend. Dorian Finney-Smith was a was a close friend. Um, Igor Kokoshkov is not on the Dallas coaching staff anymore. The, the, there was an article that Tim McMahon wrote over over the weekend that was pointing out all the reasons for Luca's unhappiness and all of this. His days in Dallas might be numbered. He might want out. Ooh. Wow. Okay, but in the current again, it's so much fun to watch. No, I, yeah, sign me up for this. That that that's a team that I I I will revel in their misfortune. They are three and eight with Luca and Kyrie on the court together. They won't be on the court tonight, so maybe their t- chances to beat Indiana increase. Who knows? LeBron James came back and played yesterday. Came off the bench. How the Lakers do? They lost. Huh? Did um, they? I, this whole story to me is weird. Go back to last week when we had the discussion about the reaction of the reporting of the timetable of, of LeBron. And he came out and said, there's been no reevaluation. There's been nothing changed. I speak for myself. Didn't that seem like he was maybe telling the whole world, pump, pump the brakes, I might not be coming back? And then he comes back? Yes. The timing of it was very weird. And to have him... Uh, I mean... <laughs> Yesterday, talk about being conflicted. Mm-hmm. At a crucial point in the game, Patrick Beverly scores a bucket <laughs> in the paint. Uh-huh. On oh, LeBron. On LeBron. Mm-hmm. And then gives the too small thing. which But really exaggerated. Really exaggerated. I mean, like to down the to, the where, floor, to the floor. Yeah, where he right. was actually hitting the floor. Yes, yes. And his bench loved it, but it's like... I... That's really? one of those things that I universally hate. I don't... If a Suns player does it, I hate it. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I was like... Ooh! And yeah, now it's so completely overdone. He's yeah. a foot taller than you. If you want to call out LeBron and go watch the replay, it was about the worst defense. It was the worst defensive possession in the history of LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was falling all over himself. Yeah. But come on. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I yeah. hate when I have to take LeBron's side on something. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with that. But listen, it, it's it's interesting now because it, it looks to me like the Mavericks are the first team, the first the first what well, identified dangerous team that seems to be falling out of it all. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And then like, and yesterday so, and, was weird too. Anthony Davis played and, and got eight shots. Right. Yes, that which is very very odd. So now we're going to see exactly what this Timberwolves thing is all about. Yes, with Carl Anthony Towns coming back, they've yeah, won three in a row. Yeah. Yeah. The Pelicans yeah. of all teams have won four in a row. Yeah, well, they're back in the playoffs now. Well, we talked about desperation kicking into a degree exactly. with the Suns. It's kicking in in other cities, it, too. That's it. That's exactly right. That's what's going to make this fascinating yeah. because I think the fun and games are over. In terms of the and I, and I mean that facetiously, the 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 the, the yucky stuff in the yeah. NBA is over. The preseason is over. Thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, Bick's got the first blast of the week, and it's straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.